So for listeners, okay. um, I'm gonna rustle my bag too. We want to edit this in. This is actually our first matinee pod. Oh, it's the, is, yeah, the uh, matinee. Saturday, April 30th at uh, 12.49 p.m. We've been here for an hour chopping it up. Yeah, chopping it up. Chopping it up. About talking about labor issues. Catching up. And this the is- Mets. And taking Polaroids. <laughs> yeah. And this is our first IRL uh, pod in a, since Ayana Dozier. Because, oh, right. Um, the greatest episode of this show ever. Yeah. It was the Batman. Most of the Batman scholars have reunited once again. At last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got I think that's one back. that's going to be far and away the greatest appearance on any program I've ever done, without a doubt. It was good. That yeah, will be yeah. my legacy. But the yeah. thing, but the thing is, Caroline, you had, you still uh, you hadn't even seen the Batman. I'm not there to weigh and in have, on the new Batman. I was you, just I was the hype it? man to to talk up '90s gay Batman. And have you seen the Batman? No. Okay. Why would I? Still hasn't seen it. I don't need to. But as a scholar, I mean, surely you at least peaked out of curiosity. I said I was an armchair scholar, not like a real scholar. If you weren't aware, the three hour The Batman is now streaming. I've heard. I don't give a fuck. I'm still watching old Batman on Tubi. (laughs) Well, (laughs) with ads. Well, I think the next I think our next visit to um, Regal Essex Market is going to be Father Stew. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, maybe that'll be episode eight. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The Father's Do special. Mark Wahlberg's transition to uh, faith based filmmaking. It was only a matter of time. Have you seen his schedule? Like his personal. Yeah, like there was a tweet running around. Yeah, he wakes up. Listen, not to be that guy. (laughs) Like, like, no, I don't have uh, GCAL access. No, 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 no. I mean, he posted like his daily his daily regimen. And I compared it to like Screen the slate. no the cycle of prayers in a medieval book of hours, and it like syncs up almost perfectly. Did you wow. tweet that? Yeah, years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Damn. You are listening to episode I don't know seven of the Screen Slate podcast. I am your host John Derringer, the founder and editor of Screen Slate, and I am thrilled to be joined once again by our co-hosts. John Claxman, Caroline Gollum, audio engineer C. Spencer Ye. This is the the all-star podcast crew assembled for this episode. And tonight we have our very special guest, I guess today, I don't know, whenever you're listening to it, Ine Prakash, the founder of Prismatic Ground Film Festival, also a programmer at Maisel Cinema. If you follow ScreenSlate, you've probably heard about Prismatic Ground. It's something we're co-presenting. It's now in its second year. It started during the pandemic as an online festival of experimental nonfiction film. Now it's in a hybrid uh, in-person and online edition. Like last year, the entire festival is free on the internet. You can watch it in your browser, no geo-blocking worldwide, uh, except for a few programs that are 16 millimeter only. But of course, it's also taking place in person. There's an opening night screening tonight, Wednesday, if you're listening to this on the day it's published at Museum of the Moving Image. And there are also centerpiece and closing nights at Anthology Film Archives. All the other screenings take place at Maisel's Documentary Center. It's an incredible lineup. We're about to talk about it. We're just really in awe of Ine and his vision and the community that this relatively new festival has already formed. So we're gonna get into that. We wanna shout out our sponsor, the German Film Office. You can visit them at germanfilmoffice.us. Sign up for their newsletter, follow them on social media, and you can stay in touch about all the really interesting and exciting German film events happening in New York City and online. And also a very special shout out to our Patreons who make all of ScreenSlate possible. Not just the podcast, but our daily New York City repertory film listings, 
all our write-ups, all like the vast majority of our budget goes to paying writers and everything else we do. So if you visit patreon.com slash ScreenSlate, you can support us. You get uh, special event invitations. In fact, I think we will be sending out a members-only thing very soon, a little get-together. And you also get bonus episodes of the podcast. You get archives to our uh, Stream Slate archives, which were experimental film programs and discussions that we did during the pandemic. You get discounts on merch, discounts from partners like Criterion and Posteritati, all kinds of cool stuff. So visit us there. Keep us going. Thanks so much for listening. And here is Ana. Hi. Hello, everyone. Very Anae. happy to be here. Welcome to Screen Slate is- HQ on the couch. This Thank is Anae's uh, second, uh, technically third appearance on the pod. One of those a secret. This one is the, the first oh, one. Oh, not right. anymore. It's not. Right. Yeah. Right. I no, forgot. no, no. It's, it's still secret. I mean, could, you can, be you can where's Waldo it and try to find Anae's third. Right out the gate, your first appearance on this show, unofficial appearance. One for the books, do I some, think. Do some Thank vocal you. vocal analysis comparison. Yeah, totally. But I have a really, I can modulate my voice a lot. So like I have a, I have a high dynamic range. Yeah. And right? you're a like Shakespeare, a Shakespeare guy too. So you can really like. If it were done when it is done, then too well it were done quickly. Oh my God. <laughs> well, I think he just revealed. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're an actor. In fact, speaking of secret appearances, I believe uh, there was a, a certain uh, niche New York film celebrity on succession the last season. Oh yeah. That's was it a, you? That's a big time secret though. Yeah. You can go, you can what? dig through every episode. I do appear. What? Uh, I mean, yeah, I can't. Is Do I Do I out myself? Do I tell the full story here? I don't know. This I is, just think it's like how did you end up on that show? Well, um, all right. I guess I'm going to spill yeah, this going yeah. secret. I've, yeah. I've held this close to my, they needed a guy in a panda suit. How'd you find out they needed a guy in a panda suit? Well, when I first moved, when I first moved to New York City, uh, I didn't have a job, and the way I made money was by working as an extra on TV shows. So you're in the you're in the database. So I'm in the database. And you played a you were in a panda suit like a George Landau. Yeah, you know I'm always awaiting these invites for like we need suave gentlemen, you know. (laughs) (laughs) We need dashing lover. Yeah, yeah. We need a panda suit. Dashing lover. Secret agent types. Yeah, I got a call. And uh, they were like, do you still have the panda suit? They said (laughs) your agent, your agent was like, do you want to be on this hit television show? They said, um, are you willing to put on a full body panda suit? A, B, do you have improv experience? C, are you willing to simulate sexual acts with stuffed animals? And you said (laughs) all of the above. I said all of the above. Amazing. Hell yeah. And uh, have you seen that? Like, I don't watch uh, the show. So is it, uh, are you on camera? Did you make it in? I I am in a much more subtle way. The actual experience was very bizarre and surreal and intense. Uh, But in the, uh, I do, I do appear on the show. You got to do, you got to be looking for it though. You got to scrub through it. I think you actually mentioned to me once you're, you're like on a TV that's like in the background of a shot or something. Yeah. It's, it's episode three of season three. It's when Kendall's going to appear on, on Z-Way's TV show and uh, Greg is in the dressing room. Uh, There's a TV or in one of, yeah, one of the dressing rooms, there's a TV in the background and you can see. You can see a panda as, as, as surrounded by some stuffed as, animals. As, yeah, what was yeah. the catering Rarbid. situation like? Was it good? Oh, they had great. The catering situation was great. I kind of just wandered around in a panda suit. People let, no one gave me shit, you know? Yeah. They just um, figured you were yeah. with the production. Yeah. Well, sometimes. I, I ate whatever I wanted. 
you know, when you see a location suit uh, shoot, sometimes you try to just like grab some bananas or, Definitely. or muffins. Hit that big and, thing of red vines. You know, pass yourself off as a PA. But when you're wearing the panda suit, no one will question you because they're like, well, clearly. Like, yeah, no one walks around a, with a, in a panda suit to get a free croissant. Did they give you the panda <laughs> suit? They had one already? No, I did, uh, yeah, they had a panda suit for me uh, to put on. I got a $50 bonus for simulating sexual acts on camera. Amazing. Is that a SAG thing? And that's where prismatic, (laughs) that's where prismatic ground screening fees come from. Oh shit. So you're literally, you're literally, uh, on HBO dressed as a panda fucking things to run your experimental film festival. Yeah. That's how much I care about experimental film. That's like some shit Orson Welles would do. He'll do anything. Yeah. Orson Welles was a spoiled brat. He didn't have to do this. That's not uh, true he didn't at have all. To grind. Okay, he had to grind super hard, <laughs> chilling for frozen peas and Transformers, Paul Masson, <laughs> Teeps. To make the other side of the wind. The yeah. Great, the greatest what? experimental film of all time. I, I think so. Yeah. One of them. Yeah. Um, we also, you know, speaking of uh, secret appearances, we were talking earlier and I was like, we have to save this for the pod, but we both made special appearances recently in. The Criterion Closet. Do you want to talk about we your yeah. your experience? I mean, I had literally dreamed about it. You know, like I ha- I'd had night dreams where I'm like, oh, I'm in the you know Criterion Closet, and it was uh, it's it is very small as it looks, mm-hmm. and uh, the bright fluorescent lighting. It was a lot of pressure to to choose movies. How many yeah. discs did you grab? Five. Okay. What'd you get? Well, see, now everyone's going to... All right, so I grabbed uh, the Melvin Van Peebles box set. Yes. Okay. Go Good. for the box set right away. I went with uh, Vampire Dryer because I love that packaging Damn. and yes. I love that These are movie. all good things that I'm okay. like, Fuck. We'll get to you, John. Um, I, went, I went with Holiday, um, uh, the George Cooker movie starring Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. I love that movie. I can watch that movie any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Symbiopsychotaxoplasm. Okay. William Greaves. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, how many did I just name four or five? Yeah, that's four. 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 What was the last one? Fuck. All right. John, you say, uh, and maybe I'll remember. Uh, one night in Miami. No, 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 no. You say the <laughs> movies um, you Did picked, you pick one night in Miami? I'll remember later. When of course I did. Was. No. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not like, um, they didn't like, you know, they're, I don't think they're going to post mine on social no, media. No, same. I didn't. Yeah, this yeah, did, under, they, did they shoot the a video? No. no, 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 no. No, yeah. It was but, just like a routine, yeah. just like, you know, stop by and hang out. And I, like, I, oh, also went, well, I also went to the closet. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay, it was a while so we'll ago. Get, we'll get, we'll to, get to me. Third. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. get on you. Go before ahead. Trilogy. But, um, before yeah. Trilogy was my fifth. Sorry, Carol. Well, it was it was a little interesting to me because I was like, you know, I don't want to post this on like screen slate social media, you know, even though I seem to maybe overshare my personal life on the official account. <laughs> but I was like, I don't want um, I don't want to like give up my reputation as like a man of the people by revealing that I'm one of the elites, you know, right. who visited the criterion by closet. giving criterion you, some free advertising. <laughs> exactly. But you, you get but, in that little closet and all, all of your values and ideals and yeah, anti-establishmentarianism yeah, goes out the room. <laughs> I'm in the You're 14 store. again. Yeah. 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 But what was, I think really, you know, I have very mixed feelings about is I posted it on my like private, um, personal, your alt uh, Instagram. Well, it's not my alt. It's texting. It's, it's your like Finsta? My, just my normal one. John Don of the dead. Right. That, you know, would be public if it weren't for like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and, uh, it got like the biggest social media response of anything I've posted in my entire life. Like it was like, 
people from like kindergarten were coming out of the woodwork and like responding to my story like oh my god I'm so we love criterion collectors people that you it's went like, to kindergarten like, with in canton ohio were like we love criterion yeah, yeah. That's it's, awesome. it's just like dude like everything i've done in my entire life everything i've like worked for everything and, you've built achieved nobody cares like the number one thing is like dude you you went to the criterion closet you went to the like, criterion closet when and I have, got five blu-rays when i like you know have a child in the future i'm gonna be like wow this is a nice uh instagram response but it's nothing like you know criterion closet so what did you get level. john i got a, i got a bunch of stuff Here, here's the other thing here's too, the I'll stack over here by saying is that the night before we were getting a beer with clyde our friend clyde who works at criterion all oh, right and i was like hey i heard you guys are gonna have a celebrity uh in the criterion closet tomorrow mm-hmm. and he was he like laughs and he was like you and i was like yeah and he was like, well, you picked literally the worst day to go. And I was mm-hmm. like, God damn it, what? And apparently the like evening, you know, before like that day, mm-hmm. uh, they had sent an all staff memo telling people to like chill in the criterion closet. Oh, right. Uh, take so many discs. I got, a, I got a little bit of the inside scoop. I don't, I don't want to name names, but you know, some actually like kind of more majory celebs I think had, you know, violated they abused the privilege, they abused the privilege. Yeah. Some of them so that hand. some of the yeah. plebs like us, you right. know, of course are the ones who suffer, which is how yeah. things go. Well, under. this will seg into my character well, and closet. Uh, I did get, um, yeah, I mean, definitely went for the boxes. I got like the Vim vendors road, uh, the Von Sternberg, uh, the Marlin. Oh, the Von Sternberg. Fuck. Oh, you got, you got the, uh, the celebration. Menace to society. Yeah. I had to get the celebration. Yeah. That's a cool, that's a cool that's one. A really cool, I picked yeah, that up. I thought about that. Jam. I just picked yeah, that up. Yeah. I had to get the four K's, um, deep cover. I am, I would say at this oh, point, fuck. 80%. Deep cover. Deep cover. I love that movie. Um, I had the same trepidation about you as posting the photo, but now that it's out there, maybe I'll, I'll repost it just and see go what for, my kindergarten just, just peers think of me. Get prepared because like, no matter how much people love prismatic ground, they're going to love the fact that you went to the criterion closet more. Okay. You just have to accept it. As long I want to hear about your hall class. Well, when I went, I, I had a meeting there and it was sort of like, um, you know, so the meeting was a couple hours and then on the way out, they were like, well, if you want to go in the closet, yeah, feel free. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, and I, I felt the same way. I was like, I don't want to like just take too much here. I feel weird about like just taking a ton, especially because it was in the context of this like business meeting. So I think I just got like Fantastic Planet, which had just come out or something. Oh, that movie's sick. Like the Blu-ray. And maybe I got choice. something else, but that was like the main thing I got because I didn't want to take too much. But but then yeah. later I regretted it. I was like, fuck it. I should be just, back. I should have well, just taken like 25 discs. I did the like dumb Boy Scout thing where, you know, they were like, yeah, go ahead. Take whatever you want. And I was like, well, I, I heard you guys had an all staff memo yesterday telling people not to take stuff. So I was like talking myself out of hey maybe this is a transition to what we're we're, here we're to actually talk here about, we're not here the, to talk about the criterion collection <laughs> so we're here to talk to Ine about prismatic ground a new film festival now in its second year and this is the first hybrid in-person and online one the first edition was online only you know we should talk about what prismatic ground is but let's just mention there's a retrospective of year one on the criterion channel right now Right. It's not a full retrospective, but there are 10 short films from the first edition on the Criterion channel under the label Prismatic Ground uh, Presents. 
And, you know, they're all extraordinary. They're worth checking out and they give a good um, sort of uh, representative overview of what the festival's about. So what is the festival about? Do you want to explain to our listeners about? Yeah, absolutely. So I say it's centered on experimental documentary, you know, works that fall somewhere on the spectrum between avant-garde and documentary in the middle, mostly. And then there's stuff all the way on the avant-garde side. And there's a little bit of stuff closer to the dock side as well, though it tends more towards the avant-garde. And, you know, that's my favorite type of work. To me, that's where the most kind of form-challenging stuff in cinema is being made today. And um, I also love the history of avant-garde. And I I wanted to create something to honor that, Um, you know. And there's this, we were at this weird time in, in New York where it's the pandemic, but there also wasn't uh, at the time explicitly experimental festival in the city and the online stuff happening through other festivals was a little bit, it wasn't especially accessible or approachable or imaginative. And so I thought if ever there's a time for me, a guy with really no resources to try and start something, it's now. And uh, thankfully I had a little bit of support, my my place of employment, Maisel's Documentary Center and you, John, ScreenSlate uh, agreed to help me promote a little bit. And so the fest uh, was and remains co-presented by Maisel's Documentary Center and ScreenSlate. And we had a 10 day online festival last year and, you know, over 70 films were made available uh, for free to anyone in the world. No geo blocking was important to me because, you know, I, I'm from uh, Michigan. There are great experimental fests there, but uh, without having access to this stuff on the daily, I, I didn't really realize that I loved experimental film until moving to New York. So I want as many people to feel that they can approach this work as possible. And then, you know, there's kind of a political imperative too, I feel, which is why should we acknowledge the violence of borders when we don't have to? Yeah. So that was one of the big things. Uh, And this year it'll be hybrid. This year I love in-person festivals. I love in-person movie going, um, but I want to maintain that access. So the films will be online May 4th to May 8th, while they're also screening in person. Most of the films screening in person will be available online as well, but not all. Uh, And I encourage people who are in New York to come out to the festival because, again, I think in-person moviegoing is really special. Yeah. And some of the artists will be present as well, right? Yeah. Not just some. Around 50 filmmakers will be present throughout uh, the festival weekend. So it kicks off on May 4th with opening night at the Museum of the Moving Image. We have Centerpiece and Closing Night on Friday and Sunday at Anthology Film Archives. And the rest of the festival is going to be Thursday through Sunday at Maisel's. And you can check all of that out, the whole schedule, all the films at, um, on ScreenSlate, actually. Go to ScreenSlate.com. Under the events, you'll see um, the Prismatic Ground uh, schedule, lineup, tickets. And you can also access that at PrismaticGround.com. And this year, also being the first uh, hybrid in-person year, some of the screenings are very much premised on a sense of liveness or uniqueness or requiring a theatrical viewing experience. I'm thinking especially of the opening film, The Afterlight. Yes. So the opening night film is a movie called The Afterlight by a British filmmaker named Charlie uh, Shackleton. And this movie exists on a single 35 millimeter print. There was at one point a digital screener. I got an email from Charlie uh, late last summer and he said, I need you to watch this film now and tell me if you want to play it because soon I will delete all digital traces of it. And what the movie is, is it's a compilation of footage from old movies, I think mostly the 40s, um, 
and all the actors you see on screen are people who are now dead. So there's this kind of invocation of a comparison between the mortality of the flesh and, um, you know, the mortality of film material by saying this film exists on a single 35 millimeter print. And when it's gone, it's gone. You know, uh, something is really being said about the ephemerality of all of all media and all film. And besides that conceptual um, sort of provocation, it's also just a really interesting movie to watch. So people should come out to the Museum of the Moving Image on Wednesday because May they won't see that one online. They won't see that one online and there may not be an opportunity to see it again. That one gets lost in the mail at some point along the line and it's gone. It's done. Yeah. Well, yeah, that would be a statement about film shipping <laughs> yeah. and the supply chain, which would be cool and is relevant, actually. It's but gonna, I hope that yeah. doesn't happen. It becomes part of the work. Yeah, I hope that doesn't conceptually. Happen. It's going to be a really special night and Charlie's wonderful. Um, you know, I get updates from him. He, he said uh, he accidentally dyed his hair blue while trying to bleach it. <laughs> Amazing. And, and he was going to try to change it back by opening night. But uh, I, I told him we could maybe work with the blue. Yeah. You should just let it ride. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, every, every screening of it becomes almost like a unique performance. And also you could conceptually extend that to like any 35 millimeter film screening. Right. Um, that, you know, as... It runs through the projector. It gets scratches as reels are maybe like stitched together for a platter projection or the ends get, you know. um, Any film print could get lost by FedEx. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But especially one of which there is only one print. Yeah. Um, It's also funny to me to think of how, you know, in some ways the 35 millimeter print may be more stable than a digital copy because although the 35 print uh, can have wear and it can be lost. Um, digital files disappear all the time. It's like if you made a movie 15 years ago and saved it on your hard drive, like good luck finding it. Or maybe it's in like some old codec and the well, hard drive doesn't spin up. Yeah. Well, this will be an experiment then this film. Right. Well, we'll, see, we'll see in uh, 20 years, uh, you know, we do the 20th anniversary screening for the 20th edition of prismatic ground. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Prismatic ground XX. But let's, oh, hell yeah. let's talk a little bit more <laughs> about about the founding of the festival, too, because I, I think it was interesting that it was really responding to what we saw in the early days of the lockdown, where a lot of institutions tried to get their programming online as quickly as possible. And, you know, one thing that I think is really cool about Prismatic Ground is that you're paying the filmmakers. And I think when a lot of institutions jumped online even major institutions were just kind of like asking people to do programming for free or like oh it's just like a zoom lecture from your home and um i think you kind of like worked to provide a corrective to that um and um yeah there's more to say but i don't know do you maybe want to like talk about some of some of that ethos and also of course you mentioned geo blocking which is like another thing that was frustrating and and you you really sought to correct in in what you were doing right so my number one priority going in was i'm gonna pay filmmakers you know i've been working in festivals for eight years um it's a festival uh that runs i mean it's an industry that runs on the labor of people that it makes a practice of not compensating for their work um which is pretty fucked up and you know I didn't have much money. I, um, the first year was, it was essentially, I, I was working part-time and collecting unemployment money and bizarrely had more savings than I'd ever had before. Same. <laughs> you know? right. Yeah. And, uh, 
special moment. And so between that and the stimulus money and individual donations, um, I was able to pay filmmakers about $100 or, or exactly $100 uh, per film. Um, you know, I, I wish it could be more, but I, I feel glad and proud that I paid filmmakers something. And it's, it, I mean, I don't know if, if uh, lay viewers understand how rare that is. You know, South by Southwest, the biggest for-profit uh, corporation in the festival film festival industry in America, does not pay filmmakers, for example. But they get the prestige. No, get the, but, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also the there's a problem, I think, with festivals where not only do they not pay, but you have to pay. The filmmaker has to pay to submit their work. So it's exactly. actually costing the filmmakers to be in the festival. Right, and not to mention a, getting like a DCP. Or which is a total scam. Yeah. Yeah. And if they don't well, fly you out, you have to fly out on your own Yeah, dime I mean, everything too. about it. Here, yeah, well, here's the thing. All right, so Prismatic Ground does charge submission fees. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have that stimulus unemployment money this year. Mm-hmm. I got some money in individual donations, but I, I needed some source of income. And the way I justify submission fees is that it's, you know, it's, it's compensation for my time and my labor. I, exactly, I, yeah, I watched, yeah. um, I personally watched 80 hours worth of submissions in their entirety. Um, are, are you worried? Like, uh, what does that do to one's mind? Um, Oh, it, it, it scrambles it entirely. I don't even know if this is real. I don't even know if I'm actually sitting here right now in, in on this couch. I mean, that's incredible to me room. is that, well, I mean, the, the other thing about festivals too is they have a, I think, justified reputation that they're not watching the submissions. At the end of the day, it's about who you know and the behind the scenes relationships and that programmers aren't really dipping into that well of of submissions, even though they're accepting them and accepting, um, you know, submission fees for them. And I think another thing that you've done, I mean, I think you're really kind of going through and almost checking every box of like, what's shitty about every other festival? How can we do it differently? And so one of the things you're doing is that you are actually watching all of the submissions. Watching all the submissions. And, you know, yeah, I'm definitely trying and trying to program uh, the majority of the fest from those submissions since I'm charging for them. A lot Mm -hmm. of fests... um, well, most don't publish the percentage of the lineup that comes from submissions, even if they accept them versus being invited or curated from other fests. But those that do, it's abysmally low. I, I, mm-hmm. You know, like True False, for example, uh, which they've published the number, which is good, more should do, but I think it was like under 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely admit that there are, you know, we, we work in a community. There are filmmakers I know who are in the fest, filmmakers in the fest who I consider friends and I, and I love the work they, um, have. And, um, there are filmmakers who were in the fest last year, but I, I did the sort of like, um, you know, armchair calculation and about 63% of this year's lineup is, um, from submissions. That's awesome. Uh, from blind submissions. Uh, people I didn't know who hadn't played the fest before. And I'm, I'm really proud of that. That's completely unheard of too, because the festival as a, an infrastructure for screening work in, in America, but I guess also abroad too, it doesn't really have the same intention or ethos that it used to have 10, 20 years ago. It's just a press tour for a lot of films. It's a movie that already has distribution and then we'll play a handful of t- like big tent festivals or top tier festivals just to kind of like get buzz going for when they do theatrical or when they put it online. So the idea that like you can submit your movie to a film festival to somebody who doesn't already know you and you've got a 63% chance of getting in or something. I mean, nobody else is doing that. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say nobody else is doing that, but it, it, it is quite rare, especially for the larger festivals. Well, I'll say maybe, you know, in experimental film, probably it's more rare than in narrative film, for sure, just because there are fewer experimental festivals. And also, you know, I think a criticism that flies around a lot about showcases of experimental work is that they end up being showcases of a handful of MFA programs. Where it's like you see the mm, yes. same... It's like, what are these same group of artists? Like, what is their newest film? And who are the cool young students from... Right, say, it's like a cohort. MFA program or, or whatever. And, you know, that's not to knock those filmmakers or that yeah. work. Or Some anything. of those filmmakers are in here. Of course, yeah. And also good good friends of, of ScreenSlate.com. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's... You, as a viewer, you don't often get the sense that the curators are really, really going out and putting in that legwork and watching 80 hours of of films. Yeah, a lot like. of festivals have screeners that are volunteers that are kind of like the first or second line of defense to, to sift through stuff. And if you don't get past that line of an unpaid intern who has their own unique tastes or is, you know, told or taught to look for certain qualities in a blind submission, then you're just not going to make it through. Yeah. And part of that is this is still a personal project, you know, as the festival grows, if it grows, it's going to become more of a challenge to uh, hold true to these values. Right. But that's a challenge that I look forward to meeting, you know. Yeah. But it's so, cool. It's but cool. You it's could cool. become evil. I mean, it's cool that you. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that you started the festival and you're programming the festival and you're watching every submission. Like that's that's pretty rare and, and yeah. awesome and commendable. Thank you. Yeah, I want to. I want to keep that a reality as long as I can. Yeah, I think the response to the festival has also been very telling too, because one, it was at least from where I was sitting, immensely popular. Year one, people were very, very excited oh, to sure. engage yeah. with it. They were excited to watch the stuff that you know. For a first year festival to like pop off in that way is very impressive. And two, you know this in your work as a curator, you're filling a void by doing that work, and I think that it speaks to just how badly that void needed to be filled because the festival took off in the way that it did. Yeah. Yeah. It, it felt like I had some hunches that were right. Um, you know, fundamentally that there's more uh, interesting work being made in this space than there are platforms to serve it and showcase it. Yeah. And, and I think somewhat, you know, coincidentally or just through the course of circumstance, we had found ourselves in a void in New York city for that kind of thing. And, um, so, for instance, um, Migrating Forms, which used to be the New York Underground Film Festival, had provided a really valuable showcase for that. And uh, that has been on hiatus since, um, uh, I forget which a while, year. But 20, I was about to say the same, about to say the same thing. It really feels yeah. like I love Migrating Forms. Oh, yeah. That we used to have a great yeah. festival. And um, also you had... For a long time, I, I still call it views from the avant-garde, but then it became projections, and now it's currents, like the uh, which is the showcase in um, the New York Film Festival, and that has sort of shifted its identity. And so, something that's a, I, I don't want to say pure, but like a, a relatively direct, um, not a sidebar. Well, I yeah, and and I don't just mean not just a sidebar, but but something that really is um, fully focused on. Uh, experimental and, um, you know, unique nonfiction work. And is, I love currents. Right. I don't yeah. want to, sh- uh, you know, uh, of course. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah those no. curators who do, who do awesome work. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's something different. 
Yeah, 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 totally. And it's cool. It's like, and like migrating forms, I really appreciate that you partner with New York City venues, you know, like Maisel's or, or Momi or Anthology and do the screenings there. It reminds me of migrating forms in that way, which I always really liked. Yeah, right, it's, yeah. it's really about community, you yeah. know? And we have an amazing film community here in New York and globally an amazing community of people who love experimental documentary and avant-garde work. And that last year, even online, it was so exciting to tap into that. Well, it was cool because what was interesting to me during the pandemic was sometimes you would be in these live screenings and you just felt a good vibe. You felt a sense of community that was still really lacking. And what was especially cool about Prismatic Ground was to feel that sense in uh, like an asynchronous non-live environment. Of course, there were some live screenings um, that were hosted on the Stream Slate Twitch, but... Um, you know, by and large, RIP Twitch. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but by and large, most of the festival was experienced in people's browsers at their own pace, on their own leisure. And yet, when I was watching those films on that site, just on my computer, I was like, I still felt the, I don't know, the warmth and a. It felt very felt communal. Yeah, it was <laughs> yeah. kind of magical how well, that happened. I don't fully understand the it. warmth of the opera. I think it's because community. to your point about it yeah. being, you know, yeah, the notoriously warm. <laughs> it's like a hometown festival. I mean, I know that you yourself positioned this as being a, an international potpourri of offerings, but it felt to be like, and to your point about partnering with local venues, it felt very much like a hometown effort, and even more so now this year. Yeah, because it's a New it's, York City Film Festival. Yeah. It's open to all, but it's a New York City Film Festival. Fucking a. Hell yeah. Um, go I Mets. I would love... <laughs> yeah, you know, go Mets. <laughs> uh, the, but the reason I do all this, you know, no sleep, no money, is because I really love love these films, you know? I, I would love to talk about some of the offerings in this Yeah, lineup. yeah, I was going to ask, what are, what are some of the things you want to shout out? Um, you know, so we talked about opening night. Um, that's going to be great. And then we've got a couple screenings at Anthology. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, where you're an archivist. And, and, you know, the centerpiece there is Nuclear Family, um, the Wilkerson's new movie. Which I'm so excited returning, for. Returning Prismatic Ground alumni. Exactly. They So they did kind of a preview of this movie last year um, for the centerpiece live stream. And this year we have the finished uh, product. And it's a really uh, poetic exploration of the nuclear death wish at the heart of the American dream. Damn, that's a good tagline. If you and we're closer to it than stomach that. <laughs> ever yeah. before. Yeah, that right. clock is ticking ever closer to midnight than ever before. And uh, then closing night uh, for, you know, for, for the hardcore structuralists, we have Rainer Kohlberger's Answering the Sun, which is an hour of pure color and strobe yeah uh, don't miss that i love his work we showed it a few years ago at anthology and get ready to hallucinate what's a structure <laughs> what's a structuralist Not for the faint of heart uh you know uh, for those of us wrong, losers John. who are unfamiliar <laughs> yeah. with it uh, it's pre-code turner classic movie uh, <laughs> those of us cinephiles narrative brained babies he's, re- he's ready to tell you what would it be fair uh to say it's it's like about really about formal experimentation more than anything else and, sure. and creating a kind of something that's way more about the audiovisual experience than transmitting yeah. any information or narrative and i think also I, like a i couldn't i couldn't say it better Never now I feel stupid because <laughs> I feel like oftentimes there's a prescribed structure or almost like a set of rules that but a film will like say, um I'll like Hapax like legomena. Would you call well, that that's a, a series of films? Yeah, by Hollis Frampton. Sure. What's the one where he he photographs the signs in alphabetical order? Zorn's Lemma. 
Is that a structuralist film? Absolutely. What about the Paul Sheritz Johns that you showed? Absolutely. Okay, I got and, it. And, and, I got it. Thank I, I, you. I, th I think Reiner Kohlberger really is in the lineage of Paul Sheritz in many ways, but he takes it to this other digital cinema level that I've not seen anyone else do where he's really utilizing that format and digital technology. 60 frames per second. To Ooh. make this like really hallucinatory experience. Anytime and, that there's like a disclaimer about don't see this stroke. movie if you're, if you're prone to seizures, I'm there. Well, I just, Hell yeah, yeah d definitely don't miss that one. And it's going to be, and that's you know, like legal disclaimer from the screen slate legal department. Um, don't don't sue, if. don't sue screenslate.com. Um, <laughs> if you see that movie and you have epilepsy, but, um, yeah, d don't miss that one. Seeing it in the courthouse cinema will be an experience. And it's going to be preceded by a short from 1999, uh, by Phyllis Baldino called color without color. Um, for which she interviewed, I'm forgetting the name of the, the syndrome offhand, but a number of people who are essentially colorblind, can't see color, hmm. um, describing what color is to them. Ooh. Mm. So Good. a black and movie about experiencing a world without color, um, then succeeded by... An orgy of color. <laughs> orgy of color. I was thinking yeah. about good, good, color, good programming. color good blindness programming the other day, actually, because we don't know what color things are, really. We just have our perception based on the amount of rods and cones in our eyes. Uh, <laughs> right. We're in agreement about what's what, mostly, and that's how. Sort of, or yeah. Not. But like if, you, well, if you could literally see through someone else's eyes, it might look totally different. I don't, I don't know. Well, no, I mean, it's, <laughs> contingent, it's contingent on the wavelength of the color that exactly. hits our eyes. And, and because the human eye is structured in a certain way, we perceive it to be this way. But there are different animals that have a okay. different setup that perceive sure. color differently. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm saying, man. Sure. Yeah, same. Before we go too far down this road. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I, I had this thought the other day and it seemed like a good segue. No, I, I appreciate you bringing it up. I, I, but Don't I be mad at me, so every, Everyone's going to have a unique experience of prismatic ground. <laughs> you know, since we're really trying to encourage New Yorkers to come out in person, I want to shout out um, some films that'll be screening on, on 16 millimeter. Ooh. Oh, hell yeah. Um, we have actually a, a screen slate podcast alumni, Ayana uh, Dozier. Oh, hell yeah. Um, Follow Batman scholar. The ultimate Batman scholar. Incredible, uh, very short film called My Mom Bridget. That's uh, um, about ritual, um, basically. And that'll be screening on 16 millimeter. Where? We, um, at Maisel's Documentary Center. What day? Um, that'll be on Saturday, uh, May the 7th. Um, at, uh, give me a second here. I'm scrolling through the thing. It'll be part of uh, wave nine, which is titled, um, in the prison of his days, teach the free man how to praise. We can talk mm. about wave titles in a minute too. And, and what those are, but, uh, yeah, that's essentially the program it'll be in, um, which is, I'm really stalling here. I think it's at three 30 PM on Saturday, May 7th. Yeah. Again, well, people can check screenslate.com. Yeah, exactly. Um, or prismaticground.com. In uh, right. Wave 12 on Sunday, we have uh, Chris Kennedy's The North Sea, which will uh, be Chris playing Kennedy. in person for the first time uh, on 16 millimeter. Um, in Wave 1, look at that round ass shit, which uh, very cleverly titled to indicate uh, a series of films that all feature round uh, shapes. And it's a line from one of the films. Um, in that program, uh, we uh, will have two 16 millimeter films. Uh, uh, Matt Whitman's That Was When I Thought I can, Could Hear You and uh, Jody Mack's uh, Wasteland Number 3, Moons, Hell yeah. Sons. Friend um, of the pod. Yeah. Friends so of the pod. 
definitely make sure to to check out this this celluloid goodness. Um, you know, to shout out something that'll actually there's one thing that'll be exclusively online too, which is. Um, you know, another thing festivals do is they give out awards. Um, and the thing that rubs me wrong about that is that I already dislike having to say no, you know, quote unquote, reject films. Mm-hmm. It's often films that I love. So I want everybody in the fest to be a so-called winner. <laughs> yeah. Did you go to a Montessori school? <laughs> I did go to a Montessori. Hell yeah. <laughs> me too, man. Wow. I think that's why we've been brainwashed. Take yeah. one to no one. Egalitarian values. Shout out Maria. Uh, you guys are giving out participation trophies. No participation. <laughs> you know, it's its own reward. This is but, the future liberals. But won't. there is there is one award called the Ground Glass Award um, for outstanding contribution to the field of experimental media. Because I like to I like the homage. You know, the ones who have paved the way. Last year that went to Lynn Sachs, and this year it'll be awarded to Christopher Harris, um, who I think is one of the most important living American filmmakers. Yeah, he's awesome. Um, and most of his shorts are going to be available for free online. Oh, wow. Let me just get a quick look at that lineup. Um, you want to, yeah, no, the Harris lineup. Yeah. 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 So this is his, his full filmography is lifted, listed on the site, but, um, dreams under confinement is going to be playing in person as well. That's his newest one. Um, but then online we'll also have Halimafak, distant shores, um, descending figures, Bedouin spark, sunshine state, and Reckless Eyeballing. A revival run of Reckless Eyeballing. And then, yep, which we featured the restoration last year in the lineup. And then in at the end of July, right now, the plan is Chris will come out to New York. He can't make it during the fest, but he's going to come out later in July, do an in-person screening. Hopefully we'll have um, the new restoration of Still Here, uh, you know, one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen, uh, which is currently being finished up by the Academy Film Archive. And we'll honor and have a conversation with him time. in person. <laughs> you should have him on the show, John, when he comes out to town. Yeah, that would be awesome. We would love to. Um, another screen slate um, connection. Um, we have uh, Last Will and Testament by Frank Heath, who was the subject oh, shit. of a, yeah, yeah, a screen slate yeah. Twitch. Just turned uh, 40 the other day. Shout out to Frank. Oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday Frank. Happy birthday, Frank. Right, I'll see you on Tuesday, Frank. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was really happy uh, to see Frank submitted this film. I guess it's, it's shown only as... Um, uh, installation previously um and it's called last will and testament uh for those who are familiar with his work he does these like prank calls essentially um accompanied by abstract imagery and they're both really thought provoking and really amusing and in this one he's essentially talking to um a death lawyer, a will lawyer. What do you call a lawyer? Who a state planner. An estate planner. Yeah. About uh, what's to be done with his remains and how, like, there's this there's this, this death book that lists out 13 ways I think, or that uh, a human body can be disposed of, um, buried under rocks. That seems eaten by animals. <laughs> that seems small. <laughs> different, different th- the uh, fundamental 13 funeral rites. rites. Yeah. yeah, like being buried in a coffin. What about the mushroom? What about the mushroom suit? What about oh, being, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's like what Carly Schneemann That's not allowed? Like or? The, Wait, what about being pressed burial. into a diamond after I think you've been cremated? This is more of a traditional rights. Yeah. Got it. I, I, Got yeah, it. yeah, we can, we, but um, essentially. See the movie. He yeah. tells the lawyer that he wants all of these things done with his body and tries to talk through the practicalities. Yeah, of yeah, that. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And it's yeah. it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the style isn't um, abstract in the sense of like, pictorial abstract it's kind of like it's uh almost documentary like like nonfiction um imagery yeah um but assembled in a way that doesn't have like a 
super traditional, obvious, like documentary kind of structure. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. The imagery isn't one to one. It's not like you hear him talking about something and that's also what you're then looking at on the right. screen. It, yeah. It, yeah. It takes yeah. a little bit more thought and it's a little bit of a more deeper experience than yeah. that. Um, um, but vi- like super profound and funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's part of a wave called industrial capitalism and the world, which all, which mm. features all, um, uh, films that have something to do with both, uh, landscape and technology and, you know, our impact on the earth through, uh, industry. Um, there's another really, uh, amazing film called under the paving stones, the beach that I want to shout out mm-hmm. by Amanda Katz. Hell yeah. Um, the official synopsis is on Brooklyn's East River waterfront, a new park built on tenuous ground, a new residence converted from a formerly industrial shell, a promise of lives of convenience, a film that circles around rhythms of labor and leisure. And you're sort of, it's, uh, you're watching, it's hard to explain, but you're watching uh, people sort of live their lives inside these beautiful luxury condos um, while getting glimpses of the industrial processes um, that have created them and the that have created the buildings on that landscape. And it's this uncanny evocation of um, kind of the detached, the, the detached kind of living we do, you know, the, the way that our, um, I don't want to speak for Amanda. This is my own interpretation of it, but the way that our, um, you know, contemporary uh living styles have sort of separated us uh fundamentally um from from the earth and separated us from the labor that is required to create all that stuff very again very a little difficult to explain but very deeply felt yeah and the title i think is a a protest phrase that comes from may 68 isn't it like under the paving stone lies the beach yeah yeah just wanted to Take a minute to yeah. shout out Hell yeah. the May 68 connection yeah, there. That's some radicals here. Thank, yeah. the shout out May 68. Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> Shouting out May 68. I, you know, I feel the need to shout oh, out yeah. Earth 2. Earth 2. Let's talk oh, about yeah. Earth 2. <laughs> that's my, my personal... Uh, Your fan pick? My fan pick. Wait, is I'm Earth 2 in the lineup? Earth 2's two. in the lineup. Hell yeah. Saturday night. Okay. And this is a film by the mysterious anti-banality union, which formed around Occupy Wall Street back in 2011 with a movie called Unclear Holocaust that was essentially, you could almost say like a recreation of 9-11 through the various disaster films, the way like Hollywood had kind of almost like pre-imagined it. So they've done a number of these uh, feature length films that are essentially compiled from all different kinds of Hollywood sources, but tending to be big, like, yeah, exactly. Found footage, like, you know, Michael Bay movies and big budget action films and they structure them into new narratives. It's been a while since they've done one. So Earth 2 has like been in the making bit, for a minute. Earth 2 is an epic. I think it might be their best work. And it's about the planet rebelling against the human population. And, and about and people trying to mitigate the crisis. Right. Climate and the, the, poli- the political response, the military response, the private industry response. Well, it's super relevant to... to to What's that, to the hellscape yeah. that we live in, yeah, and and by way of its use of found footage, kind of the ways we visually imagine disaster, exactly, know, at the end of the earth. This is like the most expensive, 
It is the most expensive movie ever made. It's probably the most expensive movie ever played at Spectacle. It's going to be a fun screening. Yeah, folks should come out. That's on Saturday night, May 7th. I want to take a moment to explain the way the waves, the programs are structured. So technically, uh, you could come at 9 p.m. to Maisel's and catch that movie preceded by a short by Christopher Thompson called Deep Impact. Um, That's also really wonderful. Or uh, you could come at 6.30 p.m. uh, for the same price and see some more movies. Essentially, some waves, uh, although each wave is purchased, you purchase one ticket per wave. Some of them are so long that there are breaks to allow people who only want to see, who only have the stamina for one half to come. But, for example, this wave, uh, Destroying the Earth over and over again, starts at 6.30 p.m. with actually a 16-millimeter in-person-only screening of of a... extraordinary movie called instant life by ojo boca and then we have films running um up until probably around 8 45 and a break so folks who are tuckered out can leave and and folks can come in but if you're a you know if you're a real if you love a gauntlet of a of a cinematic experience if you want your life changed come for the whole wave yeah so essentially every ticket is almost like a a Three for one deal. It's a lot for your money. And how much a does how much does a wave cost? So it's um, fifteen dollars uh, and seven dollars um, reduced fee. So we have a seven dollar ticket as well. And at Maisel's, the cool and thing. Could you, could you explain what that means in case it's not clear? To yeah. Me? So if you if you want to if you don't have fifteen dollars, you can pay seven dollars. Hell yeah. um, and, you know, we think that's a pretty reasonable price. If you don't have $7, all screenings at Maisel's in person are suggested donation. So just show up and pay what you can. It's like the Met. You can just give them a dollar. Yeah. But ideally, if you want to support... If you have $15, you should do filmmakers it. And, yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that you should that you should take advantage of the generosity, the largesse <laughs> of the festival. I'm saying that, like, it's like the Met, you know... Suggested donation. Right, but at the well, Met, you don't. The, Met, the Met's like a game where you know you want to pay $1 and they try to shame you, but no matter what, you're going to get in only paying $1. because that. Uh, I don't the, think people are going to are gonna be shamed the if they this pay the $1. Opposite. This yeah. is the opposite, where they're like, uh, $15, please. And you're like, I want to give you $30. Of course, $15 is totally Listen, reasonable. I'm good for yeah. the $15 ticket price. Look, I, I'm going to... I'm going to say what they say in, in meetings of Alcoholics Anonymous, <laughs> which is that we need you more than we need your money, but we need your money too. Yeah. Your money Hell helps. Yeah. That's just a great way of going through life. That slogan. Yeah, yeah, man. A lot of good slogans. You can kind of that, apply yeah. that for, I know. I that have I the, know for no particular reason. I had, <laughs> I had the serenity prayer as my phone background for like a year and change. So it's a good prayer. It's a fantastic prayer. I should mention the festival starts today as of the day that this podcast is airing. So if you were listening to this on the day the podcast is released, Prismatic Ground starts tonight, but we are recording it a few days. Oh yeah. And it's live online right now. Oh shit. Yeah. You could literally, you could listen to this while watching experimental films. Uh, well, don't do that. No, no don't do that. Filmmakers intended. Oh wait, I have a question. Wait, you're going to give me shit for telling people to pay a dollar and you're telling people to listen to a podcast while watching a movie. An experimental yeah. film. Okay. Okay. This year, will there be a clickable timeline on the viewing windows or will you maintain the practice from last year where you push play and you have to watch it all the way through. Yeah, no, absolutely not. You no still scrubbing. Can't click through the movies. No scrubbing. No but. scrubs at Prismatic Ground. Hell yeah. Damn, you're good. <laughs> <laughs>
But please come in person if you can. It's yeah. going to be special. So you can't. You also can't through. scrub in person. You can't no scrub, scrub through, but you can either. listen to podcasts. So <laughs> if the episode is airing the day that the you know right we're recording this, but it's yeah. airing on the opening night, I guess. This airing. is a pertinent question, which I know. Sorry, airing. I'm old. Give me I think a break. That's fair. I, I didn't even realize that was weird. Only John. It's only publishing. John K. points it out. Um, where's Where's the after party tonight? Oh, um, a great question. Thank you. Karen. The question yeah. on everyone's mind. Damn. Where's the after party and who's you DJing? You can mix and mingle after with the screen slate after podcast, the screening so of Charlie Shackleton's um, The Afterlight at Momi. We're all going to head down this street to the Sunswick. Oh, we're going to that bar. We're going to that, that bar, the Momi bar, and we're going to hang. We're yeah. going to go to the Momi bar. It's mm. the East River Bar of Momi. Into the night. Wow. Yeah, you can meet um, you can meet experimental film programmers, experimental film podcasters. You can hear, you can meet Charlie Shackleton and ask him him about, ask him about the (laughs) price of produce. (laughs) He has a lot to say about the price of vegetables. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to ask him about it. We can talk about hair color. Yeah, I've got to I've got to plug this. Uh, I'm sorry, too. If you have if you have the means, you can also donate to Prismatic Ground, prismaticground.com. There's a donate button, you know, trying to do a lot as we talked about, including paying filmmakers. And it's, um, it's uh, not the most stable situation, so. Yeah, I think there's a tendency too, especially when you see like, wow, this festival, like everyone's talking about it within my my scene and it's got this criterion thing. Like you tend to um, see something that's maybe more established or secure than it is. But this is so much a labor of love for you. And it is, you are really, really extending yourself to be able to do this. Um, and... I just think, and I think it's wonderful, and um, yeah, it's something people should definitely support. And you also wrote a great piece um, last year that people can read that has um, even more about like the genesis of the festival in it. Um, it's a breath of fresh air, and still to date, the only time I've ever been paid for showing a film somewhere, by the way. So hell yeah, dude! Shout it out. I showed a movie in the the dome at PS One. I never got you can get shit. Paid. Yeah, from PS One from the fucking VW Dome. Wow, in the VW Dome. <laughs> <The dome. laughs> what what accent is that? Uh, it's called being a dude. All right, <laughs> you have been listening to the Screen Slate podcast with special guest Inay Prakash of Prismatic Ground. Inay, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks, thanks for joining us during the day. Here at Screen Yeah, State. where are we yeah. hanging out after this? Like, Can we go to the like park? One fifteen p.m. Now let's go. Let's go to some, Cooper Park. It's yeah, a sunny day. Let's We're get a bottle go of Prosecco. Fuck, I should have brought the bocce ball. Set. We're not going to watch any films today. No, we got to go outside. <laughs> oh, no, I don't yeah. have a whole festival to put on or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Time Bring your some, laptop to the park and work there. Time to do some day drinking. Hell yeah! All right, well, and thank well. you to uh, thank you to co-host Caroline Gollum. John Claxman, audio yes, engineer, C. Spencer Yeh, and thank you to the German Film Office for presenting this podcast, sponsoring it. You can visit them at germanfilmoffice.us, sign up for their newsletter, follow them on social media, and thank you, of course, to our Patreons who make not only the podcast possible, but also all of Screens Late, our daily listings, our write-ups. You can visit patreon.com slash and support us. All right, thanks again. <laughs> <laughs>